Okay. And I forgot to pray, too. I'm not, I'm not having a good day, am I? Shall <laughs> <laughs> we start over? <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll go back and reverse the day. Start all over. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and open a prayer as we do this. Lord, we ask you, as we've already read the scriptures, that you will be with us and guide us and lead us as we look at this uh, section on how to practically live out Christianity in a real-life scenario. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we read this section on 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 16, but I'm also going to now look at Acts chapter 6. This is going to give you a little bit of history of what Paul's talking about. And uh, verse uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmur among the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Then the twelve called the multitude of the two disciples unto them and said, It is not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, look out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom you may appoint over the business. But we will give ourselves to continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right, so what was happening in this day, and it has happened until very recently in the life of the church, is that the church would take care of widows, orphans, and those who were truly in need. And the, in the Jerusalem church, it was happening that there came up a disagreement between the Hebrew followers and the Grecian followers. And the Greeks were saying, you're not taking care of our widows. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of inter interesting that racial issues are not something new. They've always been in, in existence. You know, in our day, it's black and white or color against white. You know, and in their day, it was nationalities that were the big deal. But it was the same problems. <laughs> the, the Jews always thought they were better than the Gentiles to begin with. Uh, the, the average Jew, especially in Jesus' day, they thought that the Gentiles were a waste of God's time to have created and that they were destined for hell and could not go to heaven. That was their attitude. Okay? And... Some of that may have been slipping into the church and may not have been in, into slipping into the church. We don't know because it just says a dispute arose. And you know how many times do we get disputes that rise up that really have no basis in, in, in fact? You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know, I've had people go, well, so-and-so doesn't like me. Well, why didn't you think they? Well, they never talked to me. I go, well, have you talked to them? Oh, no, because they don't like me. <laughs> you know, uh, you hear this sometimes with people. Well, I'm never going to that church again. Nobody talked to me. Well, how many people did you talk to? Yeah. And we, we want to be able to look at this sometimes. And this, and as I'm saying, we don't know if this was a real problem or an imagined problem. Being a Jerusalem church with mostly Jerusalem leaders, it probably was a bit of a problem. <laughs> okay, But we don't know. It doesn't tell us. It just says there was a murmuring and dispute that rose up. Paul's addressing this to Timothy. This is how you take care of widows and those who need help. You just don't take everybody into your, under your wings. And there's a lot of people who believe that the churches should help everybody who pops at the door and asks for help, you know, that you're supposed to help. Well, the church would go broke very fast. And a lot of people don't understand that it takes money to do this. If it, you know, even if we don't spend our own money, you are spending money to donate. You know, it costs money. I have met people who don't realize that churches pay electric bills and water bills and you know all the other bills that we you know we pay as individuals to keep our you know buildings up and running. You know we're fortunate we're not in the city we don't have a sewer bill or or anything like that. But if you you know churches pay bills and 
It might also surprise you that churches pay higher rates than you do as a person because they charge us as businesses. Okay, so not only do we pay the same bills and have usually more of them because we do more activities, we pay a higher rate. You know, and I'm not saying this make everybody feel better, but just make people understand, you know, because I've had people, well, you get, you get all this stuff for free. I go, what world are you living in? <laughs> you know, I was a treasurer at a church, and we had, I actually had a guy come to me and go, well, why are you guys talking about all these bills you're paying? Don't you get everything for free? And I'm going, you think the utility company just lets us use the electricity and doesn't charge us for it? <laughs> I'm not going to get into whether they should or shouldn't, but, uh, you know, and, you know, but, you know, it costs these things, and it, at certain places you have to say no, and Paul's going to tell Timothy, these are the places where you say no, all right? And so we just, I just wanted to read this. If we get into this history as we look at this, this section that Paul is talking about, and we're going to go through this verse by verse, and there's so much here. I, I, I didn't know where to break it up as I was studying because there's no real break in this paragraph. So we're going to do a two-parter. However far we get, we'll stop and continue. First off, he says, honor widows that are widows indeed. Now, you might go, well, what's this big deal? And he's going to go more into explanation of what a widow indeed is. And basically, he's saying if somebody is a very young woman, she should go get married again or go back to her dad's house. She's not, you know, she's not going to be, and we're going to see that he's going to say there's problems later on. They start taking the money of the church. They get idle and and then eventually decide that they want to have a husband again and get married anyway. Uh, and that's not true for every one of them. I know Paul is generalizing here, but it is kind of true that after many years of not being married, people very often get married again. You know, not all the time, but often. And he's trying to say, you know, be careful of this. But, you know, we look at what does the word honor mean? And we think about this. What does it mean to honor the widows? What does it mean to honor your parents? What does it mean to honor God? The word literally means to set a value on. Now some people, they honor, they're honoring their parents because they've set such a low value on their parents that they mistreat them. That is not really what God's saying. He's saying place a, place a value on them that's high. And you know, it sometimes surprises me when I watch how people treat their parents. Whether they're kids, <laughs> Or big kids, <laughs> you know, 50, 60-year-old kids who treat their parents with total lack of honor and respect. You know, we are to honor our parents. That doesn't mean we're going to obey as an adult every single th rule they put in our place and everything they say and do everything they say. But it means that we will place value on what they say. You know, and this is true for us. You know, we need to be able to honor one another and at least take this great benefit in taking counsel with people, getting input into decisions and saying, okay, this is what I think, what do you think, and then put the Bible in there and, and make sure that it's a biblical decision. But, you know, we place honor. Does that mean we're going to accept every single decision, you know, input? No. There's times where a good leader takes in all kinds of input, might even take the wrong side of the you know, opinion to see what other people are going to say, and then makes a decision. And I've had people that have asked me over the years, well, if you didn't want my input, why, didn't, why did you ask for it? I go, well, I took several inputs. I just didn't act on your input. And then another time I'll act on your input. I don't know. But honor is you set something at a value and say, I want more of whatever it is. You know, for many Christians, we're supposed to honor this book. 
I know many Christians who seem to have no honor for the Bible. No value whatsoever. They don't read it. They don't study it. One of the things I challenge to people is, you know, ideally I want everybody studying the Bible. If I can just get all Christians to read the Bible, I'd be happy. You know, because I know many Christians who have been Christians all their life who have never even read the Bible from beginning to end. You go, okay, we're going to turn to the the book of Habakkuk. And I go, where? (laughs) Well, it's a little three-chapter verse of the book in the middle middle of the Minor Prophets. Uh, We're going to go read the book of Hosea. And I go, I don't know. (laughs) As Christians, we need this opportunity to have read God's word. He speaks to us through his word. He teaches us through his word. He has inspired the men that wrote the Bible to write the words. And one of the greatest reasons I know that the Bible is true, after only studying it for 48 years, I can tell you one thing that's sure. I have never found a single contradiction in God's word. There's some that are hard to understand, but there's no contradictions. And you know, with 40 different people writing the book, Humanly, that's an impossibility. Now, I don't know how many of you have done any, any study and you read some author's information about a topic and then you read a book they write tw- uh, five years later and they contradict themselves. Okay, You can have the same author contradicting himself frequently in lifetime. Try to get four or five people that are experts in a topic to agree. You've got a, you've got a bad problem. And yet God put 40 different authors putting together the Bible with no contradictions. That's a powerful testimony that it's God's book. Not written by man, which is the accusation of the world. Well, it's just written by man. No, it it is not just written by man. Yes, God used human authors to write it down. Yes, their personality came through in, in their letters. But it is God breathed. God put the words down in place. So we look at this and he says, honor. He says, honor the widows that are, and he says, if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents for the good, for that is good and acceptable before God. And basically he's telling them, if she has children or nephews or family, the family should be taking care of the widow. You know, and that used to be happening almost all the time. In our day of nuclear families and everything, it's hard sometimes to find kids who are so busy with their own selfish lives that are willing to help their parents. And it's, it's a tough world out there, and they're being encouraged to just leave them alone. Now, the Jews took care of their parents. They understood this honor your parent idea. Paul is writing to Timothy, who's going to be ministering to a group of people that don't have that mentality. Okay, We are now living in a world that is becoming pre- Christian world in its thoughts. Uh, we've had almost 2000, about 2,000 years of pretty good Christian teaching. Honor your parents, take care of each other, help the, help the poor, help the, help the homeless, help, the, help those that are sick. That is not the way the world ran for 4,000 years before Jesus Christ came. They were, you're too sick, you're too old, well, we'll just let you die. We've got too many kids, kick the kid out in the street and let them live on their own if they can. You know, you've gotten old, mom, dad, uh, sorry, you've lived beyond your life, go, go struggle somewhere. You, know, you got injured in war, sorry, soldier, thank you for your service. You know, if you can crawl back home, 
so much better. If you can't, you deserve to die. That was the attitude before Jesus Christ came and before Christianity started ruling over the world. And it has been true in some parts of the world that haven't had Christianity flourish. Okay, most of Asia, most of Africa never had Christianity flourish on it. Women don't have rights, elderly don't have rights. The hospital systems are very, very poor. You know, we have been blessed to be in America. We have been blessed to be in a Christianized world that we have lived in. But you know, that blessing is coming to an end. And we as a church need to stand out and say we're going to do things God's way. It's going to make us stand out. It's going to make us look like we're foolish even. Well, you know, how much is going on right now about assisted suicide? You know, life is just so bad. If you really want to end your life, you should just go ahead. Why do they come up with that? Because they don't believe God says that he created life and that is precious. Okay, senior citizen, you're getting so old, you need to die before you, you know, get so sick that you use up your inheritance and your kids don't get anything. It's the humane thing to do for your kids. Just end your life. That is what's being taught out there in our, to our kids, and that's what they're pushing right now on their agenda. Don't honor your elderly. Don't honor the people that are, that are poor. Don't, you know, if they're a nuisance, get rid of them. You know, it goes all the way down into abortion. Go do whatever you want, and then if you get pregnant, just get rid of the kid because it's going to be a nuisance. You know, we need to be careful. Are we going to agree with God on these things? This world is coming to be an interesting place where Christians are going to stand out as a light, just as they did in the first century. You know, we don't really understand how bright a light they were and how weird they were to the other people that were in their existence. You guys are helping the sick? You know, the sick deserve to die if they can't get over their sickness. You guys are helping the people that are hungry and poor and, and too lazy to work? You know, they, deserve to, they deserve to die. You're rescuing our babies we're throwing out into the river to sacrifice to God and raising them up because we didn't want them? They did not understand Christians. Christians were weird to them. We're becoming weird to the world today because we believe things they don't want to believe. We believe things that they don't like to believe because we say God is right. God has not changed his way of thinking. Contrary to what you're going to hear people say, well, you just need to grow up, get out of that old religions, religious stuff, and start doing the new stuff. Well, the new stuff is the old stuff. Okay? There's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes tells us. And as we get in what they're calling the postmodern world, all they're doing is returning back to all the garbage that was prevalent before Jesus came and changed this world. We need to take a stand that God is right. God is right. And we're going to see more and more of this evil going on. More and more of the disrespect of parents. That, you know, and it's really hard as we see it. Even our teenagers and our kids are being blasted with all the garbage of disrespecting adults. And then we wonder why there's no respect. You know, we wonder why police officers will now come up to your car with their hand on their gun because nobody, because of all the disrespect they get and how dangerous it is for them because nobody respects authority out there. Or not many people respect authority out there. They're ready to be disrespected. They're being trained actually to handcuff these guys just to talk to them because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Because of 
the lack of respect, the lack of respect for authority that Christianity brought to this world. And we see Paul talking to him on this. He says, if they have children, let their children take care of them. And I love this. He goes, you know, let them show piety and requit their parents, which means give back. <laughs> you know, and I hear a lot of people go, well, you know, my parents didn't raise me so that because I had to take care of them. I go, well, God says yes. God says yes, they took care of you, so you take care of them later on. And this is an important step, learning that respect, that honor. God gave you a parent to take care of you. When they get to the place where they need help, take care of them. We get to the place where we can't drive anymore. We can't get around as, mu as much. Maybe don't even have as much confidence in our decision making because we're forgetting so many things. And we need that help that comes from our children. And hopefully our children have our best interest in <laughs> mind when they're helping us. Again, I see many of these people who, when their children do deign to help them, it's for their own benefit. You know, okay, let me see what I can do to make sure you have nothing and I get everything. And then we see these stories, we read these stories, we hear these stories from so many people. And Paul here is telling Timothy, if they've got family, their family needs to step up. Step up to do what needs to be done. Verse 5 says, And now she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, but trusts in God and continues in supplication prayers day and night. He says if they really need, they're going to be honoring God. We think of the woman in the temple who got, was a widow early on in her uh, life and it says that she lived in the temple. She was waiting to see the Messiah. Now, I don't think she literally lived in it and, and slept there, but from early morning till late at night, she was there waiting, worshiping God, praying. You know, is that the way we spend our life at times or do we have problems following God? He's going to talk later on about people wandering house to house, gossiping. <laughs> talking about things they shouldn't talk about. He says, if it's truly a widow that's desolate, is she spending time in prayer, supplication? And prayer is talking to God, and supplication is giving him our request. And we talk about this often when we talk about prayer. You know, we talk about the word uh, acts, adoration of God, confession to God, thanksgiving to God, and supplication. And supplication should be the last part of our time with prayer. Now, for most Christians, supplication starts to be in the first part, and we do, we do sat, not, or, or scat, not, uh, not cats or acts. You know, we, we put that supplication first and say, God, I want, I want, I want, I want. I've rubbed, that, yeah, I've rubbed the lamp, God. I, I expect you to pop up and say your wish is my command. And uh, too many people have that attitude. We've got a lot of preachers on television that, you know, will teach you that that's what God is. You know, you want to make God do something, give him a bunch of money, and he'll give you ten times the amount of money back. Well, God might give you the money back, but he might not give you the money back. He might give you another blessing. He might give you a joy. He is not a genie in the lamp. But he is powerful enough to give us all that we need. And we need to be aware that God wants us to be blessed. His definition for blessed is different than our definition for, for blessed. We think that blessed is having the mansion on the hilltop with, with five or six cars, a bunch of bedrooms, a, a whole staff of people to wait on us hand and foot and be famous and wealthy and, and everybody seeking after us for all, all of our wisdom that we have. 
That happened to Solomon. And what happened to Solomon? He fell by the wayside and started worshiping idols. Finally got back with God at the very end, but you know, he had everything that everybody thinks will make you very happy. And what was his definition of it? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. He said everything is worthless. He left God behind and he said everything is worthless. And without God, life seems worthless. No matter what you have, it'll seem worthless. And you know, and the funny thing is, every time you teach somebody who hasn't experienced it or seen it, they go, oh, I'm willing to try it, God, do it to me. In one sense, I wish God would make everybody you know, wealthy and famous and everything and, and find out how empty it is. How do we know it's empty? Number one, the testimonies we get from those who turn to God are, are how many times do we read about suicide from somebody who's rich, famous, you know, they commit suicide because they're lonely and don't know God and they, and they just commit suicide. They, they end up getting into drugs and alcohol and ruining their lives. It's without God you will not be satisfied. Plain and simple. And that's what Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes. Then he says, but she that lives in pleasure or wantonness is dead and she lives uh, and, and she is dead while she lives. And this idea of pleasure, giving herself over to wantonness, and that means basically evil. We don't use the word wanton very often in our day and age, but it really was referred to that person that you didn't, didn't want your son marrying. <laughs> okay, let's leave it at that. You know, uh, they, we almost take pleasure now in that, kind of, in that kind of person. You have that reputation. And, that, and this is what Paul's saying. No, we, you don't want that. And again, remember, Paul's talking to a, a group, people that this is common. Sexual activity is common. And it's becoming common again in our day and age. You know, this is, a, again, it's not new. What we're doing and what we're experiencing, everybody's saying, look, we're, we're moving past this Christian stuff into this new way of thinking, this new life. Get a history book out and start studying. It has happened in the past. And we need to keep this in mind. We're returning back to what was. And people are saying, we're, we're evolving, we're maturing, we're getting better, we're getting freer from all this religious stuff. And it's just returning back to the past and all the prisons that were involved in all the sin that was out there. And we want to keep this in mind as we go through. And Paul says, if that widow is just that way, don't take her in. Okay? If she is out there playing the field, don't take her in. Don't support her. And this is true not just of widows, but if there's somebody out there that is able to work, they should go work. That's what Paul says. He that does not work does not eat. <laughs> because if people were coming to the church to try to eat and not trying to earn a living. And there's a place where you say, no, we're not helping this person to be lazy. We're not helping this person to live in sin. And this is a serious thing because it is how do we deal with people as Christians? Do we just say, okay, we're just going to help everybody open, throw open our doors and pour all the money out to them? Well, we did that. We would never have a no line out front of the church waiting for their, waiting for their handout for, 
for their, for, their, for their money, for their food. But we need to make sure, are you in need? I'm going to tell you, that's one of the hardest decisions to make sometimes. You know, are we helping somebody when we help them? And benevolence uh, committees have to do this all the time. Okay, you come in with this bill. How are we helping you by paying this bill? Well, I'll get, I'll get by this month. Well, how are you paying next month? Well, I'll go to the next church down the road and get, get them to pay my bill. Well, how, in three months, well, I'll go down to the next church. Uh, you know, there are people that literally bounce around each of the churches and Salvation Armies and, and all these different places with their hands out saying, pay my bills. They're out there. We need to be careful that we're not helping them just be lazy. Now, if they're truly in need, it's one thing. There was a family in the previous church where I was on the Benevolence Committee that was truly in need, but they also didn't want to tell us how they were spending what money they did have. And we found out there were a lot of waste in what they were spending. They, even though they needed stuff, they didn't need as much as they were telling us they needed. So we need to be able to be careful of this. And so why God is telling Timothy here, make sure they're in need. In Acts, they said, find seven men who can take care of these widows. And basically, there was the implication of, and make sure that they are widows indeed, that they don't have another way, that they're not being taken care of by the church when their sons and their daughters and their nephews should be taking care of them. He's being, make sure that they are really in need. Because one of the things we learn, and if you know anything about economics, if you spend money in one place, you can't spend it in another place. And we have a lot of people who don't understand that in our world. We have a government that doesn't understand it at all. Okay, uh, but when you spend money, you, you've got $100, and you spend $100 over here, you can't spend the same $100 over there. And that's what they're saying on here. We've got a limited pool of money, limited pool of supplies, maybe not even money, but a limited pool of supplies. We can't give to every single person. Let's make sure that we're helping those that are really in need. And if they're going to live a wanton lifestyle, don't help them. Why? Because he's saying we want to have a good reputation. Those that are coming to the church, we want to have a good reputation from them as well. And so this is something that we as Christians sometimes take for granted, our reputation before people. How do people look at us? You know, and we go, well, I can tell a lie. Yeah, you can tell a lie. You're perfectly capable of choosing to tell a lie. What does it do to Jesus' re reputation out in the world, the church's reputation out in the world, if you're telling lies? Especially if you tell lies all the time. Now, many of us know people that you just, if their lips are moving, you're pretty sure they're lying. And I'm not just talking about politicians. <laughs> okay. There are people out there, if their lips move, you're, you're about 90% sure that they're lying. And it's really bad if they say they're a Christian. And you're going, is that the way God wants us to communicate? Is that the way he wants us to talk? No, he says to be truthful, to be honest. We are to be people of our word. And it's very important for this to happen for us. Because this is in Paul saying, if they're going to live the wrong way, don't help them. Don't encourage them to be lazy. And again, it's the hardest thing in the world sometimes to sit back and say, does this person need help? Which is why it needs to be done by a local church so the people in the town know the people. You know, okay, well, no, I know this person. This person really is in need. And every once in a while, I'll get somebody coming to me and say, this person really needs help. And I'm going to take their word for it because you guys know the people in the town a lot better than I do. There's other people that go, don't help that person. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not needing the help. Now, on that case, I will also kind of find out how well you know. In both cases, I'll try to find out how well you know the person. Do you have an axe to grind against the person, or do you, 
you know, or they're your best friend and you're trying to help them because that's important as well. Well, I just don't like this person, so I'm going to make sure they don't have any help. No, we're not going to go that route. That gets us back to the original problem, the Hebrews and the Grecian widows not being taken care of. We look at this and say, God, how do we minister? How do we show generosity? And this is so important. If we're going to err, I'd rather err on the side of being too generous than not enough generosity. But by the same token, there's still only so much that we can do to help. And each one of us can help. We're all the church. We all help, help one another. We help those in need. And that's the generous part. That's what Paul's going to talk about later on. He says that we're to give with generosity. What does that mean? We help. I know many people that are very generous people. Give you the shirt off their back just about to, to help somebody. Unfortunately, sometimes they get taken advantage of because of their generosity. And they sometimes need to be reined in. And the good thing with the church is, as we get to look at helping people, we need that person who's willing to give, give away the whole story, but we also need the person who's ready, ready to say, no, we're not helping everybody because we need both sides of the coin. We need both sides. This one's saying, all these people need help. I go, this other person going, no, let's take a look at who really needs help. Okay, we need both sides. Because if all you have is people give, 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 eventually you're not going to be able to give. If you've got this other person saying, no, we're not giving to anybody, you have a nice pool of, pool of resources, but nobody's being helped. So as Christians, we want to be able to look at this. How can we help others generously and correctly? And we're going to continue this. There's a lot more parts in this, and I hate breaking this up. But to go on this, we'd be here till about 2 or 3 o'clock. And I don't know if you all want to be here till 2 or 3 o'clock today. So we're not, going to, we're not going to cover every point today. So we're going to close here, and we have communion as we go in here. But the thing I really want us to look at is, are we able to live before God and really honor, really honor those that are in need and listen to God? You know, I said to the Sunday school student this morning, you know, one of the problems we have listening to God is normally we don't want to hear what he says. <laughs> You know, we have this idea we know what God might say, so we try not to hear him sometimes. And we want to be careful about that. Because one of the things I'm absolutely convinced is if we were supposed to have heard the message, God holds us accountable for it, whether we heard it or not. If I, especially the way I teach. If you read ahead and you go, well, I don't want to hear these verses, so you stay home, I believe God says you're responsible for those verses, even though you didn't come to hear them taught because you avoided trying to hear them. So be careful, listen to God, apply his word, but be ready to listen. Because it's real easy and we all have done it at some point. Well, God, I just don't want to, you know, God, I'm going to cover my ears, I'm not going to listen. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't hear you, God. Mom, Dad, I didn't hear you tell me come home when the lights came on on the street. You know, uh, you know better. We need to be careful about this. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, teach us to listen to your voice. Teach us to honor family members and honor one another and honor you. Lord, teach us to be obedient. And Lord, help us to make you Lord of our life, master of all that we do. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.